1: From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
0: Welcome to Total SF and our Circle Star Theater episode. Circle Star Theater has been coming up since the second episode of this podcast, like 198 episodes ago. It's a running joke between me and my co-host, Heather Knight, that I keep talking about this weird San Carlos entertainment venue. It was right off Highway 101. It had a rotating stage. Since Heather's off today, I invited Total SF friend of the show, Bob Calhoun, author of The Murders That Made Us and former Peninsula resident. He was on just a few episodes ago. We'll pay tribute to the Circle Star, which brought Frank Sinatra to the peninsula about 15 times between its opening in 1964 and demolition in 1997. I saw Fishbone and Little Richard there. Like Bob said, it's like going to Vegas without going to Vegas, kind of the special spot in the Bay Area that people on this podcast love to talk about. We'll have clips from Greg Proops and Ronell Brooks Moon, who both paid tribute to the Circle Star Theater, but mostly this is an opportunity to talk about Bay Area history. Bob and I are around the same age, and both research a lot in libraries as our day job, Listen in this podcast for our event together. Bob and I are appearing at the San Mateo Public Library in October. And please sign up for our Total SF Book Club event at the San Francisco Public Library next Tuesday, August 24th at 7 p.m. The end of The Golden Gate is the book. Daniel Handler and Gary Kamaya are our guests. Register for free at www.sfpl.org. Circle Star Theater, coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob. Heather Knight has the week off. This is Total SF.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Hello and welcome back. Bob Calhoun, long time no see on the Total SF podcast.
1: It seems like just a couple of months ago, we were at Red's Java House Mm -hmm. having those great sourdough burgers with no tomatoes or lettuce. Yeah, I think it was less than two
0: months ago. And I love that episode because we talked about your book, The Murders That Made Us. Um, We also uh, talked a lot about the Bay Area. I just love tangents and going into... Ed Barbera and, and, uh, you know, I don't know if we covered Paul from the Diamond Center. I don't know if we covered Circle Star Theater. But, I mean, that's just kind of like a mutual ground that we have. So we're paying tribute to the Circle Star Theater and uh, glad you're here for that. I wanted to talk, though, about it. We have an
1: October event together, so it's not over. It will be... Wednesday, October 20th at 7pm it is a Zoom event and the registration is live and that's with the San Mateo County Library's Author Talk. So you and me will be talking about the murders that made us and just uh, plenty of Peninsula history. You know, it's the, uh, we're both from the Peninsula, we both live in the East Bay now, but um, you can find out more information at smcl.org or um, go to murdersthatmadeus.com it is on my calendar and I will have the link, the uh, Zoom sign-up link, the registration link there for everybody, and I will put it front and center, but that's Wednesday, October 20th, from 7 to 8 o'clock.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll put it on our Twitter with this podcast. Um, We do our Total SF Book Club with the San Francisco Public Library, and I just absolutely love the vibe of these talks that we've had, so I'm looking forward to this one. But Bob, that's a good segue, I think, to the Circle Star Theater, which I haven't lived on the peninsula in a long time, but whenever I'm on this podcast and I find someone who knows what the circle star theater is, um, my, my peninsula comes out. My South Bay comes out. Um, it's just such a vivid memory. And, uh, there's a lot of people that are passionate about it.
1: Uh, you've been there a few times, you know, I started thinking about it like, and it's like, I saw Harry Belafonte there and Tom Jones and the Everly brothers Chuck Berry and also like B.B. King a few times and I I think I've been there at least five times maybe six times because I think I saw B.B. King there twice so I mean it was the only show in town down there at that level even though it was like you know, a hearkening back to a previous generation. It was like you were able to go to Vegas without going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a great description. Um, so we're going to get into a physical description. What is the Circle Star Theater? Some of the history, why it's important, why it's fun to talk about. First, I'm going to play a couple of um, previous clips from Total SF Podcasts talking about the Circle Star Theater from Greg Proops and Renell Brooks-Moon. Circle Star Theater, could you describe... For people who are too young or didn't grow up on the peninsula, what was the Circle Star Theater?
2: Well, the Circle Star Theater was the biggest theater between San Jose and San Francisco. I mean, it had national, international stars. Frank Sinatra played there. Uh, Frank Zappa played there. I saw Tower of Power there. I saw Count Basie and uh, Ella Fitzgerald there. I saw Pearl Bailey there. I saw really old-time acts. When I was really little, I saw Jimmy Durante there with my father. Um, I saw... um, Bill Cosby there with yes. the um uh, the silvers. I saw Tavares there. Uh Shawna Na.
0: This was in the seventies. With the circular stage. Yeah, it was a revolving explain.
2: stage. So it was it was in a car a big parking lot and it was a one story building and it was round. And when you went inside there was a totally crap snack bar that served hot dogs and cokes. I'm not kidding. There was yeah. no, it was a classy place. Like I said, Frank Sinatra, you'd be seeing your Elephant's Child. I
0: saw Little Richard there. Little Richard. I saw
2: Fishbone there. Fishbone. So yeah. it was going till the 80s.
0: Yeah. My
2: first concert was at the Circle Star Theater. Oh, yes. With
0: Star. Yes.
2: With mommy and daddy, and it was. Sammy freaking Davis Jr. Whoa. And Dion
0: Warwick.
2: Wow. Yeah, You I th- win. That might be the best answer we've had in I the I don't think
0: round. we can ask this question anymore <laughs> because Rinell just won it. I think I was like
2: nine or 10. That's amazing. And then I, I saw, I, I went there all the time. Oh yeah. Through childhood, high school, college. I saw everybody there Luther Vandross and it was
0: such a random lineup too one day totally. one day it would be like Gallagher the comedian right. and the next day <laughs> it would be like you know Al Green coming yeah. to town I mean it never made sense except it, except it made perfect sense except it did yes. But, you know, yes. yeah, yes and that
2: little nugget you know hidden away in San Carlos was fabulous right. yeah <laughs> uh, so I, I saw uh, Tower Power with Chichen Chong opening there with my cousin Donnie and uh we brought weed, of course. You could smoke weed in there in those days. Inside, no one even cared. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Tower of Power had, what, like 10 people in it? Lenny Pickett was in the band then still. Sure, And sure. they had to come down the bloody aisle and mount the stage. Cheech and Chong put two folding chairs like we're sitting on on the stage. That was their opener. And uh, Cheech came on and pretended to polish the car with his he- do-rag. Yeah. And then he pre- pretended to drive a lowrider. And then Chong walked on the stage and pretended to hitchhike, and he picked him up. And that was their opening <laughs> bit. So he sat in the other folding chair yeah. and went. And Cheech goes, yeah, man, you got any weed? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, man. And then went into a litany of 70s weed, yeah. which was Thai stick, lumbo, red, uh, mesh macon, Oaxacan. Yeah. This is what we smoked then. There was none of this blueberry crunch kush,
0: yeah, yeah, you yeah. know,
2: snoodles, unicorn, indica hybrid shit yeah these were this was the big hash oil uh i got lebanese and that was like you know we were like they're geniuses how did they think of this you know it was the 70s so
0: so bob let's let's describe the circle star theater physically in its strange configuration um theater in the round is that a good description.
1: Yeah, it had this rotating stage. The stage, the performers are on this round, circular stage. Seats surround it all, all the way around. Kind of almost like a boxing or wrestling ring, except it's a, it's a circle. It's the Circle Star, and it's just turning slowly around so everybody can see Harry Belafonte there doing Matilda. You know, everybody gets that view of him. You know, like my mom and, like, her generation thought it was this technological marvel. And there isn't a bad seat at the Circle Star. There's a terrible seats at the Cow Palace, but there isn't a bad seat at the Circle Star. And, you know, I used to wonder... And I was already a teenager the first time I went there, but I would just look at the, you know, the performers turning around on stage, especially if it was like a rock band like Chuck Berry. Like, how are the guitar cables not, the amps not getting unplugged and the microphones staying plugged in? How does that work? Like, what kind of, what kind of system underneath, you know, what kind of engineering does it take to make that, make all the electronics and the amps stay plugged in? Yeah, you know. I had that
0: question, too, and I was digging around the Chronicle Archive trying to find a photo of the stage that really showed the stage to answer some of those questions. I mean, it was a lazy Susan. Basically, like, these comedians, and we'll talk about who was there, are performing on this lazy Susan that's moving maybe eight revolutions an hour. I mean, it's not that fast, but it's fast enough. And there's this huge bank of speakers and everything overhead. But there was no, like, trap door that they walked out of. There was no hydraulic lift to get in. It was like the WWE, as I talked about, I think with Greg Proops, that they had to walk from um, a long ways away. Like, they had to walk down the aisle. And for some of these acts, they weren't moving around too good. It was near the end of their career. I remember that was tough. Um, Yeah, it was a brushed... I believe it was a brushed rail system, they called it. So um, you could hear it. It hummed a little bit. It had a little bit of that bart in the in the uh, tunnel sound to it where you might even hear a little squee, but it, it, it was fairly quiet and slowly moving around on rails with, like, brushes or something that I think made it a little bit quieter. But uh, at the time, I thought, like, You know, there must be one of these in every city. Like, I just thought this is how you saw concerts, because I grew up on the peninsula, and I really just knew, as far as concerts, I really just knew the Cow Palace and the Circle Star. But this was not in every town. This was something that now when you explain it and think about it, it was
1: kind of weird. It's a 60s space age kind of thing, or jet age, you know, when jet age moved from space age yeah we're where just these like you know Stanford engineers they weren't they weren't in Berkeley engineers. they weren't being hired by like big tech companies in Silicon Valley quite yet, so they were designing the circle star. It probably took aerospace engineers yeah, um, <laughs> aerospace yeah. engineers um and it's funny you talk about the performers coming down the aisle as I think they charged more for those seats i I could be wrong, but I do remember Chuck Berry, you know. Um, not totally geriatric Chuck Berry cause this was the eighties, but coming down and kind of like WWE slapping everybody's hand as he kind of, he kind of ran a little bit, Yeah, you know, he was a little quicker than some of the other performers at the circle star that, that I saw, but
0: yeah. And they, they advertise that not a bad seat. It also was, was like a high pedestal. And there's actually a video of um, Frank Sinatra performing there where you really see it. He was high up. If you fell off the stage in the Circle Star, you're going over to Redwood City, Kaiser, like right <laughs> away, you know. Um, yeah, so 3,700 seats, um, restaurant and five bars. I think the original Circle Star was, was you know, coats and ties and ball gowns. And it was supposed to be kind of a classier experience. Yeah. I, I saw the, we'll mention it later, but I saw the Sugar Hill gang like played there in 1982. And I was looking around to see if that was like the biggest rap thing to date. I think it was 1981 or 82. And I just can't imagine the Sugar Hill gang like arriving at the circle star, you know, with, with uh, Tom Jones's cologne still (laughs) in the green room. (laughs) But the other thing I wanted to mention is, is the peninsula. And I grew up there. I was in Burlingame and, uh, uh, It was a big deal that big acts were coming there. It started out long before the um, Shoreline Amphitheater kind of became the big act place in the peninsula. But, you know, you'd really notice it driving down the freeway. The landmarks were Great America and the Malibu Grand Prix looking at the cars. And then the Circle Star Theater, you drive by and you see who's on the marquee.
1: Yeah, and that marquee was on... Like twenty four seven, and I remember I was like still like kind of living at my mom's house, hadn't gotten my apartment in the city yet, but I was going to like punk shows in the city and at the Chameleon or the Night Break on Hate, you know, seeing a way different kind of musical experience than you'd see at the Circle Star. But when I'd be cruising down one hundred and one at two a.m. in my sixty-eight Chevy Bel Air, I'd see that you know Sinatra or Tony Bennett, and it was kind of comforting to me. (laughs) I mean, it meant I was almost home. Because, you know, my mom was off of, was like on that Redwood City, Menlo Park border. That's where my mom's house was. But I would, you know, but it also was like, oh, you know, look, Frank Sinatra and big lights. It just kind of, you know, and that must have been really like at the tail end of it. Because I was like in, you know, I had my own place pretty soon after that.
0: I'm I'm imagining we're around the same age. I had a 62 and a half Chevy Nova. So we probably passed each other on uh, 101 going by... circle star a couple times well it opened in october 1964 as a live theater venue and so like music man in oklahoma i'm looking at the five first acts i've got them here and i'll share these on twitter too but it's jane powell and my fair ladies there for a couple of weeks and then red buttons and damn yankees uh nat king cole did kind of some kind of review variety show there and that's what it was. It was a bunch of bars, a nice restaurant. The tickets were pretty high for, uh, you know, I'm looking at twenty two fifty for tickets in 1964. Um, that's like that must include dinner and some other things because I don't think I paid twenty two fifty to go see Van Halen in '85. Oh. <laughs> so um, it started out as as this live theater thing, and then throughout its Relatively short existence, I think, a little under thirty years. There were shows; it was kind of always something different. I do want to hear your Liza and
1: story first. Okay, well, I mean, this is kind of a—it's kind of a Shaggy Dog story. Like there was a, it must've been the late eighties and I had seen Ozzy at the cow palace (laughs) and you know, I was already probably an adult, like maybe I was even 19 or something, but my mom, it wasn't like my mom was religious. She wasn't afraid I was going to worship Satan and commit suicide or whatever. It was just like, she saw Ozzy on TV and thought like, he's just horrible looking and he can't really sing that well. And, you know, it was just, she was offended by me going to see this kind of werewolf, the heavy metal werewolf. And she got it in her head, like, Liza Minnelli's coming to the Circle Star, and I'm going to take you to the Circle Star, and you're going to see go- good music. She's Judy Garland's <laughs> kid. And I'm like, I, and she bought the ticket. Like, there was a tremendous amount of pressure. Like, it would have caused a big family rift if I had just, like, ghosted it and disappeared. Yeah. And And I was like, I was like, I think, like... I think kids today don't have as much like this idea that seeing Ozzy when he fully looked like a suburban housewife with a kind of teased hair (laughs) was somehow macho. And I was somehow letting, you know, being too unmasculine to be caught seeing what if somebody saw me there (laughs) was just this ridiculous, stupid thing that was in my head, but she canceled. And so I was like, I was relieved at the time. Like, Oh, I don't have to go to see Liza Minnelli. Like, yay. But then now I look back at it like, damn it! I wish I could <laughs> see. see think of the story, you know. I could see Liza
0: Minelli canceling a lot during that era. <laughs> she was probably like the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, I don't know Morrissey of uh, of onstage crooners like that. Um, but I had an early one too, similar thing. I think I was sixteen, and I think it was my first time there was to see Little Richard, and my parents. To a degree, dragged me out. I was in this period where I was watching a lot of movies, and Little Richard was on uh, in Down and Out in Beverly Hills. And I knew him from that more than, um, you know, I mean, I knew his music. just I, but, but I knew his music like I had heard it, you know, at the roller skating rink or something. I mean, I, it wasn't like I was collecting Little Richard records.
1: Predator. The beginning of Predator where
0: they're pilling yes. good golly, Miss Molly <laughs> and the that's, choppers. That's probably my number two reference at the time. Um, but I, but I had, he had been in down on Beverly Hills and he performed a song in that, which I kind of liked. So I was okay to go. I wasn't down on it. And I, I remember my parents being excited. My mom, you know, had grown up listening to a lot of his music. I remember he was, um, you know, trying hard, but it was kind of a short show I remember he brought these, which I thought was really weird, and I think is even weirder now. Just like in the middle of the show, he's like, "Yeah, I found these two kids," and I was, you know, at a, I don't know, airport, and they were outside the airport, and they're going to perform for you now. And these two kids came out and did this kind of breakdancing routine, and I'm like, "Little Richard traveling with a couple teenagers you just saw at an airport," you know, it was, it was all really weird. And then at the end, he started like throwing out watches into the crowd. Like, hey, I got some nice watches here I'm going to throw. And it wasn't even like an advertisement for any watch company. It was just like like a T-shirt gun, except he's throwing these, you know, what must have been incredibly fake, cheap gold watches into the crowd. It was really weird and really late career and probably what your Liza Minnelli show would have been like
1: if you had gone. Well, I, when I saw Chuck Berry there, and that wasn't with my mom. That was like we were... You know, I mean, the Stray Cats had happened, and there was just a fascination with early rock and roll. Me and a bunch of friends went. And, yeah, he ran down the aisle, like I said, but the set was just kind of pretty bad for the, most of it. Like, it was just not... A, you know, I'm a teenager, and it's Chuck Berry, and he looks like Chuck Berry. And I'm like, it's not a really good performance. But then, like, the last couple of songs... Like, you know, Johnny Be Good and, and Maybelline or whatever it was. He just cranked it up. And all of a sudden, the band was tighter. He was, he maybe turned up the volume and he did the duck walk. And he just, it was like the best 10, 12 minutes of rocking I'd seen. And I, everybody came out of there thinking it was this amazing show, but it's almost the rock and roll equivalent of Buster Posey stealing a pitch where he catches it outside the <laughs> strike zone and drags it back and gets the call. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of look back at it. It was like, yeah, it was just he was just chugging along. I mean, there was probably, you know, Roll Over Beethoven. There was probably a better version of that being played by a cover band in at the loading zone on Main Street in Redwood City at that moment. You yeah. know, like, just some Redwood City cover band. But he stole the show from himself by just, like, really cranking it up at the end. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, like, just
0: reading the reviews as I've been reading them, it feels like Circle Star was a great place to go to convince yourself you're seeing a good show. And the, the Judy Garland review, um, it was uh, Ralph Gleason review, uh, old old Chronicle legend, uh, jazz and, and later rock writer, Um, wrote about how, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, I mean, she was her voice was a rasp. He said it was a combination of a pantomime and an audience participation thing. I mean, she was singing very little, but everybody was just absolutely rapturous. I mean, they just, you know, loved her. And I think it was a great place to go to see someone you loved and get just enough to convince yourself you had a really great time. Mm -hmm. Um. We'll be right back after this short break. Yeah. Um, I, I thought another thing that I notice about it is just the the diversity of acts. Um, when you went by and saw that marquee, saw who was playing, saw the ad that was always in the Chronicle going vertical down the Chronicle. We're outdoors. There's some birds. Yeah. I don't recognize that, spe- that. We need like a bird, a uh, person who recognized bird calls, who can come in on Twitter and say, oh yeah, that was a starling coming hey. through. from." Anyway, I digress. I, I'm, I'm looking right now at like a, a Circle Star Theater lineup. And it's Night tonight. Fishbone and the Untouchables, Waylon Jennings with Steve Earle. Uh, The next night, it's Smokey Robinson and Anita Baker. The next night, Temptations and Four Tops. That's a little R&B back-to-back. And then Liza Minnelli, (laughs) um, Willie Nelson and family, Jermaine Jackson. And I'm sure I could look and find even weirder mixes of lineups. I mean, there was just like kind of a little bit of everything there. That might have been the Liza Minnelli show.
1: That yeah. was canceled. That I didn't go to. Well,
0: just a lot of unique memories there. Um, I, I, I read a chronicle uh, write up by Mark Simon, who was our Peninsula writer back when when the uh, Circle Star closed, writing about how George Carlin announced in the middle of the show because he's on the little circular thing and you can't get off. All right, it's intermission now, and then he just sat there and started reading a book, <laughs> which I thought was really great. But um, lots of lots of really offbeat things happening there. Um, Sonny and Cher performed a day after Cher sued Sonny for divorce. And uh, part of her, like, divorce was claiming that he had kept her in, in voluntary servitude. This is in the news, and it's like, hey, we're going to the Circle Star. I got you, babe. <laughs> yeah. I looked to it was so many people's final shows. And when the Chronicle went to the Circle Star, especially... From kind of the mid-80s until it closed in 93, it was to see someone at the very end of their career. Sometimes is almost like a novelty. Um, Judy Garland in 65, we wrote about that, but um, every time that Sinatra went there, it felt like it was going to be his last time. Richard Pryor, one of his very final shows that he ever did when he had MS and had progressed so much that he could only sit down in the seat... Um, did a show that Joel Selvin gave a pretty strong rave to, that he said he, that he, it was a brave show and much like a lot of Richard Pryor's shows, you know, was really um, raw and from the heart in a Richard Pryor way. Um, I would love to go back and see that. And then, um, but then kind of in those final years, it just got weird. And I don't know if you got a chance to look. I know you sent a, I sent to you a couple things, but it seems like they were flailing at the end.
1: Yeah, I read that, uh, I read uh, the materials you sent me, the clips, and what was funny, what was funny is I, uh, I read that Joel Selvin review of Prior, and I remembered reading it, wow. and it triggered a memory of reading another review, and I looked it up on, on the San Francisco Public Library site, which has your archives on it, your digital chronicle, the entirety of it, and uh, I used it a lot for my book. <laughs> and um, and I found this review of Bob Hope. And I remembered the critique was that he would like just riff on a woman's looks and how ugly these women, these older women were now. And the reviewer said how cruel that was. Yeah. And how out of time that was in 1988 or 89. And I I found that review and it wasn't it could have been in any paper I mean we're talking a long time ago sure but it was Mick LaSalle who wrote that oh, review. oh wow yeah the things though like I I had the
0: same experience I'm going from the sporting green to date book and reading a lot of these reviews and I remember them I also didn't kind of know what was going on behind the scenes and I I dug around and read a little bit and. In 89, the Circle Star was bought by a guy who ran, I think, used car dealerships and thought, hey, I'm going to be a music impresario, but you got to have the contacts and stuff. And especially in those later years, it seemed like they were just like, didn't know what they were doing. Um, Toward the end, kind of in the last two years, 91, 92, right around then, they started bringing in speakers. So like Mario Cuomo was (laughs) was a Circle Star theater act. Um, Mary Mary Madeline and James Carville they came in and did their thing on the road and um, one of the last acts that we covered was Oliver North and I'm so thrilled for it because um Because, uh, you know, I wanted a photo of the stage and that's where I got it. We found an Oliver North photo where it was only half full and the photographer wanted to show that there weren't that many people there. So he got up on the front row and shot down. But uh, Oliver North, he had, I believe, was waiting for his sentencing, but already knew because it was in the story that um, he might be paying up to $750,000 and whatever attorney bills restitution whatever it was so he was looking for money so he hadn't even been sentenced for the iran contra scandal uh goings on and he's at the circle star like talking about his views of america i mean it just blows me away that you know that was going on there and kind of what a weird end to a weird place
1: yeah yeah it's and you know, i'm in a weird way, I'm surprised it went on till '92, but in my mind, I thought it probably went on a little bit longer, you know. And it's it's, uh, yeah, it just you know something about that part of the peninsula, something about there, and I think that's why, as a kid or as a young kind of young man, as a teenager, older teenager, I couldn't wait to get to the city to yeah. San Francisco because there was just kind of so much nothing there, but the circle star was something and yeah. we're still talking about it. And, and I, I just don't know what's, what's kind of going on in those places between San Jose and San Francisco. Now,
0: you, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I, it was a bedroom community and that was our place, you know, and, and it, 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 something's missing with it not being there. You've got the Fox in Redwood city, as you
1: mentioned, and there's other yeah. places to go, but, um, The Fox kinda got some of that back, but I looked up because you were talking about it and it's like they've got a speaker series with Dave Barry and (laughs) Jason Alexander and Rick Steves and you know, they've got the club fox, which is a smaller venue adjacent, and that is open up again. Opened up again and it's kinda got blues jams and tribute bands. Yeah. but uh hopefully the speaker series is is hopefully like once we come out of this this pandemic in an, in a big way they can start getting some kind of bigger acts there because i think the there are you know the peninsula needs a little something man it needs uh <laughs> yeah i agree with you yeah needs a little little culture even if it's kind of middling culture <laughs> yes. or vegas culture or whatever it just kind of needs it, it needs that there's there's still some people there that want to go out and have a good time yeah. and see a Cool show.
0: I think Tom Jones might still be touring. I don't know. We'll double check that. Um, yeah. So anyway, the car dealer was running things. The owner changes the locks because of non-payment in 1993, leaving John Tesh and BB King in the lurch. Um, they had shows coming up, and he just changed the locks and said no one can come in. It effectively canceled these shows. There were talks about someone buying it and keeping it as an entertainment venue. But that property was worth so much money. I mean, Silicon Valley had happened since they built this thing. So it was demolished in 97, and there's a couple of office buildings there.
1: I'm not sure I understood it was this then, but it was this gateway into the past. Yeah, I never saw Sinatra there, but I could have seen Sinatra there. And it, it, it's just like this kind of space age thing. There was a time when the Circle Star was a marvel of technology and engineering, but it had, you know, it had what people thought were the classiest acts in the world there, the best entertainment. And, and yeah, so when we saw little Richard there, yeah, it might've been a faded little Richard or Chuck Berry, um, But it was still we had kind of tripped into time, maybe not to the 50s, but we had tripped to kind of this, you know, this utopian ideal from the 50s that was executed in the 70s. And it had dinner theater and lounge acts or I shouldn't say lounge acts, but, you know, kind of big, big showbiz entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think
0: about what's the equivalent now. And I think about the winery series, you know, and, and uh, uh, there's a couple different wineries in the Bay Area that um, show these kinds of acts. This mix of retro acts and country and R&B, um, seating between, you know, 2,500 and 6,000 people. And what I think about that is that that's something for my age. Get some wine. And see the Go-Go's or the Bangles or, you know, Lyle Lovett or um, MC Hammer, whoever's playing there. And I think that's what the Circle Star was for my parents. It was kind of a safe place for people who liked music that, you know, is from yesteryear.
1: And I can only hope that some grandparents or even great-grandparents are going to drag their kids, their (laughs) grandkids, to... The mountain winery to see the monkeys yes you know i hope i hope that's still happening is, it, know, st- is it still monkeys plural or are there yeah, two there's now two. there's There's uh, two. mickey and and um, mickey and uh mike nesmith, mike nesmith. <laughs> yeah. yeah i kept okay. yeah i was getting getting his uh his name crossed with other names <laughs> so bob we covered a
0: lot uh I, I i thought i might cry we we kept our emotions in check but um, Circle Star Theater, thank you very much for, for coming on. And uh, I'm looking forward to
1: talking to you in October. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't wait. Uh, that that show again Wednesday October 20th it's uh, presented by the San Mateo County Libraries you can go to smcl.org and find out more about their speaker series or you could go to my website murdersthatmadeus.com it is on my calendar and I will have the registration link there
0: and I love the book it's a great um, San Francisco history and, and Bay Area history and not just about murders I'm not like a big true crime guy but it's not a true crime book it's more than that so I love the book Uh, Thanks again. Thank you for having me in your backyard. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and cable car bell ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod.